Welcome to the Timeout Bulls podcast, driven by Lexus. Visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the full lineup of all-wheel drive vehicles. Our guest today on Timeout Bulls is former Bulls GM Rod Thorne, who drafted Michael Jordan. But there's so much more to Rod than just drafting Michael Jordan. Okay, Rod did a terrific job here in Chicago as GM. But he also coached for a little bit here in Chicago with the Bulls when he took over for Jerry Sloan. And, uh, you know, he was a former number one pick in the NBA. He is a member of the Hall of Fame. He has advised numerous franchises. He was the GM and put together those Nets teams that went to the uh, NBA Finals. So Rod Thorne has seen it and done it all. And I think you're going to enjoy the history of Rod Thorne, not only where he grew up, but also his stay in Chicago, and he loves this city. So let's go to Timeout Bulls featuring Rod Thorne, the former GM of the Chicago Bulls. So, so Rod, I want to talk a little about West Virginia, your home state, because um, for a baby boomer like myself, who remembers the um, black and white uh, grainy television film of John Kennedy uh, campaigning for a primary uh, you know, we saw a lot of Appalachia. And, and I'm wondering, what was it like growing up in West Virginia during those times of the 50s and 60s? You know, Chuck, it was, um, it was idyllic. Um, I, uh, I, I came um, from a, um, a very small town of, uh, when I was there, about 7,500 people in southern West Virginia on the edge of the coal fields uh, named Princeton. And, uh, uh, you know, in those days, it was a different time. Uh, uh, you know, we played uh, baseball in the, in the summer, and we played basketball in the winter, and it uh, was a very close community, uh, very supportive of, uh, uh, you know, whatever activities children, you know, were doing at that time. Uh, uh, very little uh, uh, controversy, you know, in the town. Uh, it was just a, a very, very nice place to grow up, uh, you know, in a rural uh, area, but a uh, uh, very nice place. I, I couldn't, uh, I don't think you could have grown up in any, uh, any better environment uh, than that, you know, during that time. Mm-hmm. So when, when's the first time you picked up a basketball? You know, uh, Chuck, uh, my uh, father, uh, who had been a professional uh, baseball player, he was in the St. Louis Cardinal chain, uh, had to go to, uh, you know, to the uh, uh, Second World War. So his uh, baseball career was, uh, you know, was interrupted. And when he came, uh, when he came back, uh, you know, he didn't make it to the major leagues, but he, but he did play uh, minor league baseball. Um, and, um, uh, you know, during, uh, you know, the late forties, uh, and, uh, which is a long time ago, Chuck, <laughs> and, uh, uh, he, uh, he got me interested, uh, in basketball when I was five years old because he started a team team called the rinky dinks and uh (laughs) because i was you know he was the coach uh he had no basketball experience never played you know when he was uh going to going to school but uh he wanted to you know get me involved in in sports so he started this team and 
I got to play because when I was five years old, because I was, you know, his son. And uh, that's that's where I got started. So he coached, you know, that team for several years. And, uh, you know, I started growing a little bit. And, uh, you know, that that's where I got started. So I played on an organized team when I was five years old. Well, that, that five-year-old young man turned into an All-American at uh, the University of West Virginia, which had Jerry West, of course, Hot Rod Hundley. Did you play with them, Rod? And, and talk about that experience at uh, the university with the Mountaineers. Well, uh, Chuck, I was a freshman uh, at West Virginia when Jerry West was a senior. And uh, our, uh, our freshman team was... Uh, was uh, very good we were undefeated we went undefeated that year and so we practiced a lot against the varsity uh because we were you know our team was you know was every was was you know comparable to the uh, second team uh that you know the varsity had and so i got i got the uh pleasure i guess you could call it of playing against jerry during uh you know preseason practice uh once the season started obviously we didn't uh, practice against each other but uh playing against jerry and uh he was unbelievable you know freshmen uh, didn't play on the varsity in those days and um uh, but practicing against him obviously was a learning experience uh ruined my confidence for about two years <laughs> he was so good uh, uh, you know, during that time, uh, but it was, uh, uh, Hunley was older than Jerry. Jerry was a freshman when Her- Hunley was a senior. And then I came along after, uh, uh, you know, after Jerry. Well, uh, as it turns out, Rod, you had a magnificent, uh, career at the University of West Virginia. You were the second overall pick in the 63 draft. Do you remember the day you were drafted? Where were you and how were you informed? <laughs> well, I was... Uh, I was in, uh, in Princeton and, uh, I had no idea <laughs> I'd been drafted until, uh, later in the day. Uh, I'm not even sure how they did the draft in those days, probably over the phone. <laughs> and, uh, I got a call from a gentleman named Paul Hoffman, uh, who was the, uh, general manager of the, uh, of the Baltimore, uh, bullets at that time. Now the Washington generals. Or not Washington Generals, uh, <laughs> the Wizards. Wizards. <laughs> Although uh, they they went through a stage where they were the Washington Generals. Uh, so so Rod, you got you got a call that you're drafted. Now, had you ever seen an NBA game in person? Had you ever been to Baltimore? I had um, uh, I had seen uh, 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 during my uh, when I was at West Virginia, uh, uh, Jer- uh, the Lakers played a couple of games in at West Virginia at the university they played one year they played uh, Syracuse Nationals who were led by the great Dolph Shays and another year they played the Cincinnati Royals with Oscar Robertson so Robertson against West uh, so I had seen a couple of NBA uh, games you know some on, uh, on uh, TV uh, uh, you know, some games that way, but, uh, but ne- uh, th- those were the only games I, I had seen, uh, you know, at that time. And, uh, you know, I was informed I was, you know, by Mr. Hoffman, I was drafted by the, uh, 
by the bullets, uh, you know, with the second pick in the draft. And uh, that that got it started. And that got it started. Now, did you envision yourself, Rob, when you were playing ball at West Virginia, even growing up as a kid, that one day you wanted to be a pro ball player? You know, you don't really think about stuff like that when you're, you know, when you're young, uh, uh, Chuck, or, or at least I didn't. Uh, I thought if I did anything professionally, I'd be a baseball player because, I, you know, my feeling was I was a better baseball player than basketball player. Uh, and, uh, you know, during my college career, after my uh, junior uh uh, year in uh, in college, I could have signed with several baseball teams. You know, you didn't have a draft in those days in baseball. Uh, teams could just sign, you know, whoever they wanted to sign. And uh, uh, there were three or four baseball teams that had an interest in me. I could have gotten like a, you know, $50,000 bonus uh, to sign. Uh, I didn't uh, after my junior year because uh, – I had some success in basketball, and I wanted to play my senior year, you know, there at West Virginia. Uh, and then I, I was planning on playing baseball. Uh, but until my junior year in college, I, I never really thought about playing professionally, to tell you the truth. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, after my junior year, I thought, you know, I'll be a baseball player. Well, everything's relative, and, and I understand, you know, we're talking about the early 60s, and here we are, the 2016-17 season. But what was your first salary as an NBA ball player? Do you remember the amount of money you made? <laughs> well, uh, as, as you pointed out, I was the second pick in the draft in 1963. Uh, I ended up signing for $12,500 one year make the team i did not have a guaranteed contract uh i asked i went to chicago uh a guy, a guy named dave traeger was the owner of the uh of the bullets and i went to chicago and met with dave and sid hartman uh who the uh, famous uh, the writer for minnesota the paper the writer from minnesota who who was an advisor to dave traeger and uh, I remember going in and, you know, hello, we, you know, we were going through the pleasantries and then, uh, what are you looking for? And I said, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm second pick in the draft, $15,000 guaranteed. And they said, uh, we'll offer you 12, you know, we'll give you 12. Uh, and the compromise <laughs> was 12, five. <laughs> so that was, that was, uh, my first salary, uh, 12, five. $12,500 for the second pick in the draft. Okay. <laughs> yeah, came along at the wrong time, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Rob, when did you realize when you played pro ball after a spectacular collegiate career? Give me an idea about your, your pro career. Take us through those, those years when you were an active player. Well, you know, uh, uh, Chuck, uh, you know, being a second pick in the draft, uh, you know, I got to – you know, my first year uh, in Baltimore, uh, uh, you know, I, the second pick, Chuck, a, a, a little aside, the second pick was Gus Johnson, <laughs> you know, who, who went on to become a Hall of Fame player. I'd never heard of Gus Johnson. You know, he played at the University of Idaho. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no publicity about him, you know, anywhere. And, and I go to Baltimore for the uh, – 
they had Terry Dissinger, who had been Rookie of the Year, Gus, and myself come a couple of days early to work out with Coach Bobby Slick Leonard. Wow. And so we're in Baltimore, and we go out to work out, and we're shooting around, and uh, Slick says uh, he wants Gus and I to play one-on-one. And so we go out, and Gus beat me 11-2. to two. <laughs> I couldn't get a shot off. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy's a second-round draft pick. I've never heard of him. It's <laughs> <He is> terrific. <laughs> this league must this league must really be good. And, and so then uh, they had me uh, Gus play Terry, and he beat Terry like eleven to one. And then Terry and I played, and we played very evenly. <laughs> so it was that was my introduction to the uh, you know to the NBA. But we. Uh, my first year uh, in the league, I, I made the all-rookie team, averaged uh, somewhere around 14, not 14 and a half, somewhere in there, uh, you know, that first year. Uh, then got traded to Detroit and was there for a year and a half and, uh, you know, played pretty well there. And then got traded to St. Louis, got traded on Christmas. You got traded on Christmas. Well, we're doing the Christmas season. We were on a trip to uh, Los Angeles uh, and or California, play in Los Angeles and in San Francisco. And the uh, we play, we were playing the Lakers, and uh, you know, I played. Uh, I was a starter, uh, and I played. You know, the first uh, quarter had like twelve points. Never got back in the game, so you know, I'm sitting over on the bench, like, what the heck is going on? And then after the game, Dave DeBusher, who was 24 years old mm-hmm. at the time, was our coach. He was a player coach. And uh, he called me in the uh, uh, training room, and they said, you've been traded <laughs> to St. Louis. And, uh, you know, St. Louis had – so I get, I get traded to St. Louis. They have a terrific team, Lenny Wilkins, Zelmo Beatty, Paul Silas, uh, uh, Joe Caldwell, and I got traded – in the same trade from uh, Detroit, so uh, we, we we had really good players. Jeff Mullins, wow, you know, was there Re- Richie Guerin, who was a great player. Yes, uh, and uh, Lou Hudson, mm. uh, Dick Snyder. I mean, we we really had good players, and uh, that that was, you know, the best team I was you know able to play on. We 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 made the playoffs. Ended up losing to the Lakers one year, and then one year we lost to uh, San Francisco at the time, now Golden State, with Rick Barry and uh, Nate Thurman. But uh, we, we we had a good team there. I was a you know came off the bench uh, for them, uh, but but we had we had a we had a really nice team. A couple of points, to... by the way, about Rod uh, that yeah. he played for Dave DeBusher. Ironically, if if you Google folks, Gus Johnson, who Rod, uh, you know competed against on that same Baltimore team when he just told you the story that Gus beat him 11-2. Some of the greatest NBA individual matchups occurred later in the 60s and early 70s with Dave DeBusher of the Knicks and Gus Johnson of the Bullets. They had some fierce battles in the NBA that day. And DeBusher, as Rod mentioned, was a player coach with Detroit at the age of 24. Lenny Wilkins, who you also played with, was a player coach with Seattle and with Portland. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, player coaches, uh, you know, uh, were relatively common in those days. Uh, uh, Chuck, you don't see it anymore, but it was relatively relatively common. And 
How did you feel about that, Rod? How was it as a player when you had to play alongside? And by the way, he happens to be your head coach. Well, you know, uh, uh, Chuck, uh, Richie Guerin was one of the best coaches I played for. And Lenny was one of the best coaches I played for. And they both, uh, uh, Richie played probably 32 minutes a game. Lenny played about 40. Mm. <laughs> he was, you know, he was a great player. Uh, uh, you know, Hall of Famer as a coach and a, yeah, sure. and a player. Uh, but but they were both good. They were both they were different. You know, Richie was a little louder. You know, Lenny was a very calm personality. Uh, but they were they both were very steeped in basketball knowledge, and both of them knew how to you know get the best out of their players. I, I thought both of them were terrific coaches. Well, the first even, time, even though they did it. Yeah. Well, the first time that I really locked in with Rod's career was growing up in Seattle, and there was an expansion ball club, the Seattle Supersonics, that came up in, what, 67, 68, Rod, I believe. But, um, and help me out here, and correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, tell me. But I think your jersey number was 44. Was that right? You know, it, uh, from t- uh, my, my- biggest number my number uh, was uh, 40 I was 44 and then I was I was 10 but in Seattle you're right I was 44. Now was that a tribute yeah. to Jerry West or was that just uh, you, you know uh, Chuck when I went to West Virginia I was supposed to be the next Jerry West. That's I correct. I was born 44 in high school so they gave me 44 at West Virginia. Oh boy. Uh, which was uh if I had that to do over again, I, th- I think I might take it a different number. <laughs> I mean, think about that, right? I mean, here's, by the way, Rob, we know you're a great recruit. We're, you're a freshman. Jerry West is leaving in here. Have 44. <laughs> oh. Yeah, here you go. You're the heir apparent. <laughs> wow. Well, there was nobody going to replace that. No. So, so, Rob, when did you start thinking about getting into another line of work or staying in basketball? Because if memory serves me correct, and Kevin Lockery told me this, and I love Kevin, but he told me that, were you going into law? Is that correct? You know, my in my sixth year in the league, Chuck, we um, – I was I started the year uh, in uh, as a starter and I was playing with Lenny uh, Lenny is the point guard so the first old six seven eight games of the year I was averaging about 20 points a game playing with Lenny <laughs> you know he would set you up mm-hmm. and I hurt my knee in Chicago one night and that that essentially was the end of my my career I uh, had multiple operations um and was and and you know i ended up playing another couple years because uh, you know lenny felt i was a good guy on the team to have you know in the locker room and was you know positive about you know the working with players we had but but that essentially ended my career i ended up playing eight years but the last couple years I, i hardly i didn't play much and um so, um, you know, as, as you know, I, I was a typical player at the time in that uh, you don't think about your career ending when you're, you know, when you're in your, tw- you know, your 20s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. Then all of a sudden, 
you know, it's uh, it, it's upon me. And I ended up going to the University of uh, Washington, and uh, I, I had uh, was some credit short when I left West Virginia, and I got my degree uh, in political science from the University of Washington. And then uh, my wife and I uh, had made, you know, a lot of friends in Seattle. We liked it uh, very much, and uh, I was planning on going to uh, law school at the University of uh, Washington, and. Uh, during the summer i got a call from uh, kevin uh, lockery and he offered me a an assistant coaching position with the new york nets of the aba mm-hmm. and uh i didn't think much about it for you know i said let me think about it so for a couple of days and then for whatever reason, <laughs> I ended up saying to my wife, uh, you know, Kevin Lockery made me this offer. I think I'd like to do it. And she thought I was crazy uh, because we, you know, we had a nice lifestyle there. And, you know, go to law school probably would have ended up back in West Virginia in politics, uh, you know, had I ended up doing that. But but didn't do it and uh, came across we drove across the country and ended up uh, that's that's where I got my start uh, how I got my start I'd never even thought about it to tell you the truth but, now how much uh, of the ABA did you know about Rod because the ABA came in in the 60s I late knew. 60s to challenge the NBA they got some great players of course but how much did yeah. you know about the ABA and what was your impression of watching that league nightly well, you know, I'd never really watched it. I heard about Julius Irving. You know, they weren't on TV. So, I, uh, you know, I, 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 because everybody had heard about Julius Irving. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, like a little bit of an all-star game in the summer uh, where Walt Frazier, among others, played Julius. And, uh, you know, a lot of people then knew about uh, Julius. Uh, but I didn't know much about it at all, uh, you know, other than, they 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 obviously had some very very good players uh you know in the league it was fighting in it was fighting with the uh you know with the nba and the other thing i knew about it was i got offered a contract by by the indiana pacers when i was in seattle for twenty five thousand dollars which was more money than i'd ever made wow you know as a player yeah, in the uh, NBA, I, I didn't end up taking it. Uh, Slick Leonard, my ex-coach in Baltimore, had uh, was now the like running the Pacers, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't end up taking it. But you know, I knew it, it was a good thing for players, in that players were able to make a little more money, have a, you know, have a little more security. So I knew that part of it, but I didn't, I didn't really know much about it, to tell you the truth. So you're in the ABA, you're an assistant coach under Kevin Lockery, and mm-hmm. is this something that you decided, you know what, I'd like to pursue this, this coaching thing, or did you say, you know what, maybe this isn't my thing? You know, Chuck, we, we won the championship the first year. You know, we had Dr. J, we had Larry Keenan, we had Billy Paltz, we had Super John Williamson, and we had Brian Taylor. We had a heck of a team. Mm-hmm. Had that team come into the NBA, you know, with those guys, you know, if Dr. J hadn't been sold to Philadelphia, uh, the Nets would have been competitive like Denver was competitive, like San Antonio was competitive in the NBA right away. That, that was a good team. But uh, so I was there 
two years and as, as an assistant coach. The second year, we lost to the Spirits of St. Louis in uh, in the first in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so we won one year and got knocked out in the first round. The next, and uh, uh, then I became the coach in St. Louis. So so my career was going to be as a coach. Uh, and, uh, you know I, that that's how I, I thought it was going to be. And, I was with the Spirits for 40, I think my record was 20 and 27, if I'm not mistaken, and I got fired uh, over the All-Star break. Uh, Harry Weltman, uh, who went on to become a GM with the, with the uh, Nets in New Jersey, was the uh, general manager of the team in St. Louis, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a, a coach. <laughs> Well, you also had to deal with Marvin Barnes. Was Barnes on that ball club that you coached, Rod? He was on. Yeah, he was. He was, uh, you know, the late Marvin. Uh, Marvin was unbelievable talent at that time. Uh, he averaged 24 and 12, 12 mm. rebounds, 24 points. And uh, but he he just there was he had no discipline, you know, either off the court. Uh, or sometimes on the court, but he was he was a tremendous talent. Uh, I was a young coach and and uh, you know full of um, full of ideas, full of energy, and uh, I just could never uh, make the connection to get him to do, to do what you know, I felt was best for the team. Uh, you know he was he was a wild card, if you will. Uh, you know, he, he did his own thing and, uh, it, uh, I had a lot of, uh, sleepless nights. Uh, I bet. <laughs> Dealing with Marvin, but, uh, he was a tremendous talent. So, so Rod, let's talk about the Bulls. Um, how did you become the general manager of the Bulls? Take us through the process of when you got a call, the interview, the whole bit. Well, it, 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 it's funny. I was, I had gone back to, uh, Kevin had, uh, bought me back with the Nets and the Nets now without Julius or in the NBA we're playing in Piscataway New Jersey and uh you know we were struggling you know we we didn't have uh you know we we made uh, some of some of our other players you know were gone like Brian Taylor who was a tremendous player and so we we weren't very good and uh after the season um 70 i'd say about 76 77 somewhere in there 78 maybe um bill malchione who was our general manager uh was interviewed by the bulls bulls were making changes and um he he was interviewed and and he had a couple interviews with the bulls and looked like he was going to get hired and one day he called me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to leave New York, but I recommended you. <laughs> he said, you know, he's saying to me, I recommended you. Would you be interested if they were interested in interviewing you? Would you be inter interested? And I said, sure. That, you know, that I, I, I didn't, you know, I, I never even thought about those lines, but I said, sure. So, I went out and was interviewed by John Kovler, uh, who was the managing partner of the Bulls at the time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they called me back and talked to me again and ended up offering me the job, and I took it. 
So you so see, that's how, I got that's how you got started. So you take the job. Was it was it overwhelming at first, Rod, with the amount of work and things you had to learn about a general manager? Or as an assistant coach, did you pick up things here and there to prepare you for this position? Well, I, I think from the standpoint of player personnel, I was, you know, I was prepared. Um, uh, you know, in, in those days, Chuck, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, we had six people in our organization who worked there daily. So, Rod, your, your first Bulls team, who was the coach? Who were some of the players? And did you, as far as there's one thing as a player, another as an assistant coach, as a GM, uh, after a loss or the daily grind of being a general manager, how did it affect your health and uh, everything that goes into being a general manager of a club? Well, the... Um uh, I ended up hiring Larry Costello, uh, who had been uh, coach of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. And my main reason for hiring Larry was Larry had had great success with uh, Abdul-Jabbar in uh, being able to get him the ball, uh, you know, in various ways. And uh, I was very, I had been very impressed with uh, what they had done offensively with, uh, with Kareem. We had Artis Gilmore, and my feeling was that uh, you know that Larry would uh, you know be able to do a good job with Artis. You know, we had we had Mickey Johnson, Wilbur Holland, uh, John Mengelt. Um, uh, so, in other words, you had a roster of a lot of role players. We, we had assorted assorted others, <laughs> if you will. Uh, we we had some. We had some holes in our roster, uh, uh, and and you know for the first twenty some games or so, I want to say twenty two, twenty three games, Artis was having his best year statistically ever. He was averaging more points and more rebounds uh, than he had ever done before. So uh, Larry had done a good job in involving Artis and uh, uh, you know and and helping him. Uh, you know, helping him get better. Uh, we, we just didn't have enough players, you know, on our team. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, it ended up being a, being a tough year for us. So Rob, when you have to dismiss a coach and you've had to, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not a pleasant situation for anyone involved and you've had to do this with different organizations. I mean, is it gut-wrenching, or can you just separate the personal and professional because you have to move on and do what's best for the big picture? You know, Chuck, if, if you – you know, I've always been a people-type person, and if you, have, if you have a connection with your coach, uh, then it's, it's, always, it's always tough because you're dealing with somebody's life you're dealing with somebody who has done as well as, as much or as well as they possibly could and you know here they're being let go so that that part of it having been on both ends of it uh, it's not it's not easy i don't care what end of it you're on whether you're getting fired or you're firing somebody it's never easy and 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 uh, the other part of your question from before uh if you're a competitor you live and die with wins and losses you know when you work for the league you're looking at long term you're look you hope everybody wins you hope everybody does well at the box office uh you hope you don't have any problems 
you, you're thinking pan rather than local. If you're with a team, you're like in a silo and everything is about your team. What did my team do? You have, uh, uh, you, you have feedback virtually every day because you have wins and losses. Uh, but it's just entirely different than when you work with the league. Uh, but you know, being, being, being a, a very intense type individual, I took the losses hard. <laughs> uh, I've always taken the losses hard, no matter where I've been. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's a, um, uh, you know, it's a it's a win loss leg. That's yeah, that's what it is. You win, you lose. You got if you win enough, then you're on the right track and and you'll be there. And if you don't, then uh, somebody else will be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's um, if if I enjoy the competition of it. Uh, I enjoy seeing young kids get better. Uh, uh, you know, you're so invested in your draft picks and. How are they going to do? And uh, it, it's, uh, I, I love it in, in that I've done it. You know, I've been involved in it virtually my whole life. So I, I love it. But it's uh, it's not as easy maybe as it looks on the outside sometimes. Rod Thorne is our guest on Time Out Bulls for just a few more minutes. But, Rod, before we get into the Jordan era, and you drafted Michael Jordan. And uh, by the way, folks, if you want to learn more about Rod, we invite you to uh, Google Rod Thorne. He's had a magnificent career, the John Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award. He's in the Hall of Fame. So, so Rod, you hire Jerry Sloan, who is a very intense player, as we all know. And he told me once to get to the point where he was in Utah with all the success that he achieved, he had to go through Chicago to learn. And you gave him that opportunity. What was that like being a GM hiring Jerry Sloan as a, as a new coach? You know, it, uh, Jerry was such a uh, an icon in Chicago, and rightfully so. He had been – no player ever gave more than Jerry. No player was tougher than Jerry Sloan. And when the Bulls, you know, with Van Leer and Borwinkle and Chet Walker and, and Butterbean, Bob Love, uh, they had a tremendous team. Uh you know, probably should have won the championship the one year when uh, uh, when the Warriors beat them, uh, when it looked like they, you know, they had, I think they had the home court advantage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the playoffs. But uh, Jerry uh, was, uh, you know, he was starting out as a coach, uh, uh, was a, always a terrific teacher of offense. You know, the, uh, Dick Mata being his role model and Dick, had come into the league and and his offense was it was really tough to guard having played against it uh it was really tough to guard he he taught it well and and they executed you know on the half court uh you know but the uh, most teams played more full court at that time and dick came in and bought a terrific half court offense and jerry had learned from dick and his half court offense was terrific. We again, we we didn't have, uh, we, you know, we didn't have enough of Jerry's kind of players. You know, tough, hard nosed, willing to, you know, fight to the very end. We didn't have enough of those players. So he was, there was no way that we were, you know, going to have a great record, or he was going to be greatly successful with the, uh, you know, with the personnel we had. Uh, 
the uh, Jerry and I kid, uh, kid about it now. At the time, you know, at the time we uh, we let him go, it wasn't funny, but we kid about it now. Uh, Jerry goes on to Utah and becomes one of the great coaches in the history of the uh, league, and I fired him after a year and a half. <laughs> that shows what I knew about it. Uh, because he, he if, we, if we'd had different personnel, he would have been ever been as, as successful, you know, with the Bulls because he just, he was, that fire that he had as a player, he carried over to his coaching. Uh, he made guys accountable. Uh, and and uh, when, when he, you know, got, got in Utah and, and got some players, uh, and then he was, he was unbelievably successful. So let's let's fast forward, and it's the draft of '84, and the Bulls with the third pick in the draft, and you're picking behind Houston and Portland. Rod, I, I, everyone knows you drafted Michael Jordan. Was it a slam dunk about Jordan, or when you were doing your research and homework, were you was there an internal battle going on your basketball DNA about this? You know, Chuck, it was I, – I, be, I became over the course of time, you know, as, back in those days, it was, it was uh, critically important that you have relationships with college coaches in order to get honest evaluations from them about players. So I had gone to a, um, uh, a camp that Dean Smith uh, – put on in in Washington he, he he put on a clinic that I'd gone to and and I had uh, you know become acquainted with him there uh, and then followed up by I would go every year to uh, North Carolina and he would allow allow me to uh, sit in his film room and watch any film I wanted to watch of uh, you know of uh, ACC basketball so when Michael uh, was you know was put his name in the draft uh, I knew from conversations with Dean that Dean felt Michael was uh, he would never say it publicly because that wasn't his way but he felt Michael was at least the equal of any player he had ever had and you know they had unbelievably good players there Uh, that's how high he was on uh, Michael so we're drafting third and it was, uh, you know, number one, he's got to come out, which he ended up doing. And and secondly, uh, my feeling was he wasn't going to get to three, that he would go one or two. But uh, uh, Portland, uh, the the late uh, Stu Inman, who, who was a terrific drafter, uh, I had a conversation with Stu about a month before the draft, and I asked him, you know, who you guys going to take? And he told me at that time, if Sam Bowie passed the physical, they would take him. And uh, they had Clyde Drexler, you know, who went on to become a top 50 NBA player. And they had Jim Paxson, John's brother, uh, who had been an all-star. So they had two pretty good wing players, you know, in Portland at the time. So about a week before the draft, I I called Stu again and I said, uh, ask him if... um, uh, Bowie had passed the physical and he told me he had so I knew Portland wasn't going to take him and everybody would have taken Elijah Wan uh, Hakeem Olajuwon who went number one to Houston mm-hmm. 
But the irony, uh, Chuck, is if uh, Portland had won the flip, they would have taken Elijah Wan and Houston, Bill Fitch, uh, and Ray Patterson would have taken Jordan. Mm -hmm. So we got unbelievably fortunate that the flip went the way it did. Now, Rod, let's say the Bulls had had the number two pick in the draft because at that time the Bulls really needed a big. Would you have yeah. taken? Would you if, have if taken? We, if we had had the two, uh, uh, we would have taken Jordan uh, at two because uh, we, we did we did a lot of uh, background, uh, and what we found out is that you know Bowie had had two basically broken legs uh, at Kentucky, and we weren't we wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken him even further down the line because of that you know we i drafted ronnie lester one year mm -hmm. uh, who had a knee problem at the university of iowa he was a great player there but he ripped his knee up and was never the same in the nba uh and uh uh, uh you know I, I was very leery of uh you know of, of potentially career-ending type injuries so i wouldn't have drafted uh a buoy uh, because of the injury, Bowie was a very good player, but but he had he had real uh, injury problems. We felt, you know, with, with the research we had done with the Bulls, our feeling was that uh, we wouldn't take him. Now, conversely, Chuck, uh, you know, in also in that draft was Charles Barkley, mm -hmm. and Barkley. I had done a lot of research on him. I was very friendly with his coach, Sonny Smith. Had gone down and watched Barkley practice for a couple of days. Uh, had seen him play multiple times. I thought Charles Barkley was too small. That there was no way he could do in the NBA what he did in college. You know, the round mound of rebound, as, as they used to call it. He was really six four and a half, right? Or six four? He was six four and a half. But I thought, you know, I'm looking at him. I'm saying six four. How's he going to do this in the NBA? Mm -hmm. So if Jordan had not been there, let's say, you know, we're we're three and Jordan's not there, I would have taken Sam Perkins, who went on to become a you know a very good NBA player, played for I don't know 15, 16, 17 years at the NBA. Uh, and was a very solid player, but uh, wasn't Charles Barkley. <laughs> as, as far as just the climate and the landscape of the Bulls franchise at that time, I mean, you, you hit it out of the park, obviously, with Michael Jordan. But were you tempted to say, you know what, I got to get this franchise you know, back on track, so to speak. And if, if there's a player out there that I'll make a trade that will come in here, even if it's a short window of three, four years, but he still has something left in the tank that's going to be a dynamic personality, maybe I should consider trading that pick, the third overall, for an established star player who still has an upside or yeah. before he did, did that ever come across your table? You know something, Chuck? That, that's a very good question, and it did. Uh, Dallas, uh, for instance, uh, was um, – uh, very interested in trading us uh, Mark Aguirre, who was a tremendous player, a low, you know, a Chicago guy, and uh, they, you know, we could have we could have had uh, Mark for that pick. 
uh, Philadelphia, you know, Billy Cunningham was still in Philadelphia and he, he, and, uh, you know, he was North Carolina grad and very close to Dean Smith and they were making uh, all kinds of offers, you know, for that pick. Um, uh, and, uh, but you know, you know, our feeling was that uh, you know no one was prescient enough. If anybody tells you that was that that they were prescient enough to know that Jordan would turn out to be who he turned out to be is not telling you the truth. Uh, our feeling was that he he would be a very good NBA player. Uh, you know, coming into the league, he's going to be very good. How good? Nobody. Because there was some concern about a shot, right, Ron? Well, he didn't shoot the ball very well when he came in the league, Chuck. I mean, his first year, he drove the bucket. Mm-hmm. You know, every time he got the ball. What people tend to forget a little bit about Michael, Michael coming into the league is one of the great athletes to ever come in this league. He could get to the bucket. I don't. I mean, I remember playing against Milwaukee early in the season, and they had Sidney Moncrief, who was the – Defensive player of the year, uh, Paul uh, Pressey, uh, 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 Junior Bridgman, all these great wing defensive type type guys, and he drove through the whole team mm. all night, and they couldn't stop him. And Nelson was a defensive genius at that time, you know, coaching Milwaukee. But he was such a great athlete when he came in the league, but he also was smart, and he was taking hits including the first night when we played uh, Washington with uh, Ricky Mahorn and and Jeff uh, Jeff Ruland, yeah. Turned him upside down a couple of times going to the bucket and he figured out I got to I got to improve my shots because I'm not going to last if I have to go to the bucket every time. And over the course of the next couple of years he developed a shot and you know then he then he developed a post up game. And, uh, uh, you know, as he went along, but his shot got so much better, you know, in, in uh, uh, you know, once he got to pro ball. But the, the uh, intelligence, the competitiveness, and the incredible athletic ability uh, he always had. Yeah. You know, Rod, there's a, there's a picture in the United Center of the day that uh, you drafted Jordan in his first press conference. You've got that big, you know, gleaming smile on your face. And Michael, you know, is such a young pup at the time of 20, 21 years young, and he's smiling. And here we are, we're talking about, what, 32, 33 years later. And, you know, arguably, you know, the greatest player of all time. And, you know, if one could foresee what had transpired in his career and the day you drafted him, I mean, is it surreal to think about about everything he accomplished during his playing career? You know, Chuck, it is. And and if if you know Russell is what does he have? Eleven rings. Mm-hmm. If Michael had not played baseball, the argue. I mean, the, he he essentially there was a like a three year gap. When he came back, you know, he wasn't quite ready. And when they lost to uh, Shaq's team, uh, Orlando. Yes. There's a there's a three year gap there that you know the Bulls would have won at least two championships in those three years. So essentially, he could have won nine in a row, <laughs> uh, which would have you know would have made the uh, would have made him you know his legacy even even greater. But 
uh, he, uh, you, you know, you're right. I mean, there's, uh, it, it's, you know, different errors. There are different, you know, every, everybody is, is when, when you're looking at great at players, uh, you certainly can make a case that he's the greatest, you know, player that, that ever played. I'm, you know, I'm obviously a little prejudiced along those lines. I, I think he is, but, uh, that there have been other really great players, you know, Wilt Chamberlain in my era, I mean, that guy was unbelievable in, in things he could do, uh, you know, as far, I mean, he averaged 50 points a game and 25 rebounds. I mean, the guy was incredible. You know, Robertson was a great, great player, but Jordan for winning, Jordan for being, you know, the dramatic things he did, uh, you know, get, getting through Detroit finally, uh, you know, it took Michael five or six years before they, uh, you know, before they won, and they, you know, they, they, he needed to get, you know, get some help, which, which he did, with Scotty and uh, uh, who was a great player also, and uh, Horace Grant and that crew. Uh, uh, but he, 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 the, the ultimate competitor, uh, the ultimate big game player. Um, you know, the guy was the guy was unbelievable. Rob, before I let you go, and you've been great, and I know our listeners uh, on Bulls.com and all of our social networks and Apple iTunes are enjoying our conversation regarding you and your career and your life and whatnot. It's been a fascinating run. And by the way, after Rod left the Bulls, he went on NBA Executive of the Year. He's been a consultant. He's done it all. He's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's been it's been unbelievable. Uh, he worked in the league office. Unfortunately, Rod, you at the times had to wear the black hat because you had to be the disciplinarian, <laughs> and those and those players don't like giving up money. But <laughs> oh boy, that that's the truth. I want one quick story about that. You know, it, when uh, when the uh, Pistons were, uh, uh, you know, the tough team, and you know we had to find them from time to time. And one day the Pistons were in town to play. Uh, play the Knicks and uh, I was out to lunch and when I got back super glued to my door in, in my office was a, a sign uh, that had been put up by Ricky Mahorn and Bill Lane Beer and it said this office has been paid for through fines from the Detroit <laughs> well not you you couldn't get it off the door it was super they super glued it on so to get it off it made a big hole in the door <laughs> so, they, uh, those uh those i tell you one thing boy those games were you you they, those were those were not games for the uh no weak at heart i tell you that those games were tough well, you had a tough, tough job um, trying to police the league during those days. Um, so, Rob, when, when you look back at, at your Chicago experience, um, are there, are there, is, there, is there something that you wanted to do that you couldn't do uh, because either of, of you know, circumstances or did, were you going to try and make a bold move? Like, there was a story, correct me if I'm wrong, did you try and talk Wilt Chamberlain out of retirement to play for the Bulls? We did. Uh, uh, you know, John Culver, again, that we talked about earlier, uh, 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 somebody had said to uh, John uh, that, you know, Chamberlain might be interested in, 
you know, in coming back and playing. And uh, so we uh, uh, reached out to him, and uh, he wasn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, we did. There, you know, there are always when you look back. Uh, uh, you know, you sometimes your your view is a little jaundiced about. Uh, you know, there were things that you know I certainly could have done better. Uh, you know, there. Uh, I enjoyed my time in Chicago. We didn't have as much near as much success as we as I'd hoped for. We had hoped for uh, there, but. Uh, uh, you know, people were great. Uh, loved living in Chicago. Uh, you know, Louis, um, my wife and I and our, and our kids at that time lived in uh, Northbrook. Uh, Chicago's a great sports city. Always has been, always will be. You see what's, you know, what's uh, the Blackhawks have become really good. You know, the, you know, the Bulls, uh, uh, the Bulls have been good. You know, with uh, with Derrick Rose, and then now they've got a got Dwayne Wade back in town. So Cubs of you know whoever thought that. So Chicago's a great town, and and I I, I can honestly say that my wife and I really enjoyed our time in Chicago. And I wish we could have been a little more successful, but uh, uh, you know I think it, it wasn't for lack of trying, and uh, it. Uh, you know, just didn't work out that way. Well, I'll, I'll say this, Rod, for those of us who are in that generation who saw you work, and and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, there's one great thing about Rod Thorne, among many great things about him, is that he treated people, all people, whether it was in the media, whether they sold popcorn at the old Chicago Stadium, with total respect. And, and Rod, I remember these are days before Twitter and social media and cell phones. You returned phone calls. You would have conversations with the media, with columnists. Whether you agree or disagree with them, you handled it with aplomb and with professionalism. And that's one of the reasons, Rod, I think you're so well revered in this league and why organizations have gravitated and embraced you is because when we talk about the word professional and we throw that word around a lot, but you know what? You've got to work at being a professional, which you did. Well, I, I appreciate that, Chuck. Uh, you know, my feeling, with the way I was brought up, is you treat people with respect, and you expect, you know, you expect respect in return. Uh, but you treat people with respect, and that's what I always tried to do. You know, everybody's got a job to do. That uh, it's not easy, and if you think that everything that's going to be written about you is going to be you know, rosy and and positive. That's that's just not the way of that's just not the way it is, and it's not the way it should be. So, I respect that. But you're right. This was before Twitter and before Facebook and before all this social media. Now it's a different world. Now, Rob, we're going to let you go. But thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. And good luck to the Bulls this year. Lexus is a proud partner of the Chicago Bulls. Visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to see the extensive lineup of all-wheel drive vehicles. Don't let Mother Nature conquer you this winter.